Welcome to the Crosswalk Community Church Podcast. This song goes out on the mountain. We only have history of this dating back to about 1865. It began as a spiritual. And for those of you that don't know, spirituals were Christian songs traditionally written by African Americans during the antebellum period in America. Now, spirituals served at least two purposes. One of them was to spread and share Christian values amongst each other through song. And the other one was to tell the hardships of slavery that they were enduring during this period in America. We'll never know exactly who wrote this song because of that. But we do know that in the late 1800s, a man named John Wesley Work Jr. is the person that kind of brought this uh, spiritual into the mainstream. He was a regarded collector of African-American spirituals, and additionally, he was a choral director, educator, and a songwriter himself. He worked for many years as a Latin and history professor at Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee. And additionally, while he was there, he led a group called the Fisk Jubilee Singers, which was a group of African-American folks that sang and produced productions with these spirituals, and they would travel around the country to share the news of the gospel as well as to be able to share what had happened during this period of America. Um, and so, now, with a lot of these spirituals, there are probably very, uh, very many more verses that have been lost over the years to history. And in fact, this is kind of the version that we're the most familiar with now, but there are actually a couple of other stanzas that you can find in printed language. One of the verses goes, When I was a seeker, I sought both night and day. I asked the Lord to help me, and he showed me a way. He made me a watchman upon a city wall, and if I am a Christian, I am the least of all. And so those verses, obviously more inspired by the hope that Christ provided during this period of time in America. Of course, we just heard that one, though, that the Anthem Lights had recorded, and that really focuses on the birth story in Luke chapter 2. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. The shepherds feared and trembled when, lo, above the earth, rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. And so those verses are why we now regularly regard this song as part of our Christmas carol collection. And while the verses are another excellent way to sing and praise God for the birth of Jesus, this song has that whole other element to it that goes way beyond Christmas. The chorus, or the refrain of this song, actually points us toward our greater purpose as Christians, whether it be because of celebrating Christmas or just to exclaim the hope that Jesus can bring to people even in the midst of bondage. So our first point today is that Go Tell It on the Mountain is both for Christmas and everyday Christian life. The, ref the refrain lyrics say this, Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Does that sound like a command that anybody has heard before in the Bible? 
Today, we're going to shift our focus away from the birth story and toward the mission that Jesus gave us as Christians before he ascended to heaven. And this mission is really the objective of all Christians everywhere as we seek to share the love of God with other people. About a year ago, Pastor Keith introduced a vision statement of Be the Move, which we're actually going to dive back into starting next week as the next sermon series is called The Growth Track. We'll start to go back through all of those B statements again and kind of dig deeper into those. But we also have this short statement that we've seen around. It's love God, love people, and make disciples. Those are the things that we're called to do. And so today we're really going to focus on that last part. We're going to really talk about what it means to make disciples and how does this song apply to that. I'm going to ask if you've brought your Bible to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to take a look at verses 16 to 20. Starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. First, let's have a quick definition. A commission is an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or a group of people. Now, this definition is important because a lot of you probably recognize we call this portion of Scripture the Great Commission. And re- remember that when we're talking about this commission specifically, we are a, we're talking about a mission that was given to us to do together as Christians. Uh, in fact, behind the word commission, it actually means, it kind of does break down as co and mission, to send together is kind of the, 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 some of the, the verbiage behind that word meaning. So the collective group of faithful Christians working collaboratively to accomplish Jesus' goal, it is a mission for a group of people, the followers of Christ. And while there is much scholarly debate about the application of this commission, mainline evangelical thought is that this commission still applies to us while we are living and breathing on this earth. There are a lot of huge things going on in this short passage of Scripture, of course. We have uh, just the fact that Jesus has reappeared to his, to his group of disciples. There's so many things that are going on in these four verses. But we're really going to kind of right now start to look just at verses 19 and 20. In verse 19, Jesus commanded his disciples to go out and make more disciples. And so, as you might have just noticed, I really like to understand what the words are. I like to know what the meaning is behind them, what the context was. And so I'm going to try to provide some of that. And we're going to first start with that word disciple. What does it mean? Well, in English, we normally define a disciple as a follower or a student of a philosophy or a teacher. The Greek, though, behind this word is methetes. And its normal usage is also a learner or a pupil. So pretty similar definition here. So in context of the scripture, though, we're talking about a learner or a pupil of Christ, of his word, 
of his lifestyles, his attitudes, and his actions. Someone who will read the word and then applies it back to his or her own life, a disciple. And so I like to, so now we've kind of defined that. Let's bring it back to the story. We have Jesus standing on this mountain. He's just been resurrected. He's kind of standing there in glory with these folks here. And this group of people that he's talking to are his closest friends and followers. The purest definition of disciple that we kind of have in this moment that we're in, right? And he commands them to go make more disciples. Now, mind you, he didn't tell them to go make more disciples of themselves. He asked them to go make more disciples of him, disciples of the master, not of the students. He asked them to go out and preach, teach the word, show what it's like to live a Christ-like life, and believe on the Lord as Savior and King. We are commissioned by Jesus to make more disciples of Jesus. So I don't know if anybody else is like me, but whenever I look at a command or something like this, whenever I'm being told to do something, I kind of like to know the, the six questions, the who, what, why, when, where, and how of, of a situation. And so we're going to kind of spend the rest of the day kind of knocking through, through all of that. So we, we have our what, what we're supposed to do is to go and make disciples. And we can kind of knock off one more right off the beginning. We have the why. Jesus told us to do it. I don't know if there's a better reason than that for a why. But if you want another reason, or at least to look at it a little bit differently, the why is because we shouldn't want anybody to suffer eternally in hell. We shouldn't want anybody to be separated from Jesus for forever. Jesus was moved to serve people. He said that in his word that he is the, you know, the son of man has come to serve, not to be served. The motivation that he had towards people was a compassionate motivation from, from the beginning. And if we are truly his disciple, we will also have his heart of compassion for other people. So that's another reason why we want to do this. The when is also sort of implied in the scripture. <clears throat> Start now and do it forever. It doesn't say in the scripture, uh, just go do this for a little bit, or just go do this on your weekends when you have some time, or just go do it on Sundays from 10 a.m. to 11.30. Or maybe it doesn't even say, just go do this as soon as you've found me and you're still full of passion and fire for me. And it doesn't say that, actually. He says, do this until I return. In verse 20, the implication of Jesus saying that he would be with us until the end of the age means that we should do this until the end of the age. Uh, the Greek word behind that actually is this word called aeon, which we actually get our word in English, eon, from. And so we, def we define eon in English as eternity or a million years. It's also important to note that some different translations of the Bible use this Greek word aeon, and they translate it as the world. So basically, one way or the other, no matter, no matter kind of how you slice it, it says that we should do this until the end of the world, until the end of eternity, or until the end of a million years, you can pick. So we have our what, why, and when. But we we kind of want to go into our, our where and who next. And I think sometimes the where and the who are pretty misunderstood. So let's first talk about the where part. 
In the first part of the verse, we read, Jesus says the where command. The very first two words of verse 19 are, therefore, go. And the Greek word behind this translation is poryuthentes, which is a form of the root word poryuomahi, which is translated as to go, to travel, to journey. Some scholars also translate this word from the Greek as not just to go somewhere else, but also do it as you are going. In other words, as you live, as you walk, as you play, as you raise your family, as you're at work, as you're at the store, wherever you're at, be doing this, making disciples. Either way, we must recognize that part of the commission is to go. Disciple-making requires an ability to move and meet people where they are, rather than simply hoping and even praying that they will come to us. A lot of people will pray for people to come to church or even to get the courage to invite them to church. But God put us in our different places in life not to just to passively invite them to things, but to actively engage with people where they're at in their life. We are the church. We're called to be God's hands and feet. We're called to be the move in every extent of our life, no matter where we're at. So anybody that kind of comes in in contact with us, anybody that's within our sphere of influence, it's kind of our job to be living out the life of a disciple in, in those things that we do and therefore earning more disciples for the kingdom. And I, I want, don't want anybody to take me out of bounds. I'm not saying it's not appropriate to pray for people to come to church. It is. That's a great thing. We, we want God to send people here. But at the same time, we should also be praying for God to show us where to go, for God to showing us to who, who he needs us to lead to, to go and talk to, to be with. In fact, God promised us an ability to get out of our comfort zone on this, and it kind of is recounted by Luke in chapter 1 of Acts, where he kind of does his verbiage on this same story of the commission. Starting in um, chapter 1 on verse 4, of uh, this is of Acts. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God has given us power to fulfill this part of the commission to go and meet people where they are to the ends of the earth. In order to fulfill the Great Commission, though, we will need Holy Spirit power. We'll need an infilling and empowerment of God, the Holy Spirit, in order to accomplish what is a huge mission. We're actually about to go into some numbers for anybody that's out there that's a numbers person just to see just exactly how huge this mission is. But we need God's power. That's why the Scripture says, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That's where the power comes from. So now we have to figure out who we need to go and reach. This is the last question because we just kind of went with the, the, the when and the how. Or the, I'm sorry, the where and the how. And this one's a tough one because it really requires us to stretch out of our comfort zone. In that scripture, 
it says all nations, make disciples of all nations. And the, the Greek word behind that here is a word called ethnos, or at least the root word of this word is ethnos, which is defined as a race, a nation, or the nations. But contextually throughout the Bible, this Greek word ethnos is also used anywhere where we see the word Gentiles. And so the, the spirit of this, based on the Greek behind it, is that we're to reach all of the Gentiles. Now, by definition, we know that Gentiles are anyone who's not Jewish. And so today, in 2018, by best estimate, there are about 14.5 million Jewish people in the world. And of that 14.5 million, 12 million of them are split between the United States and the nation of Israel. The world population, by estimate, is about 7.7 billion people. So unless I've done my math wrong, which I will fully admit is possible, that leaves us as Christians to reach 99.8% of the world for Christ. And that's taking into account the idea that we wouldn't bother talking to our Jewish friends about Jesus. We are called to reach basically the entire world. Now, there are already an estimated 2.1 billion Christians in the world. So it's not as if Christians are an insignificant part of our, of our cultures. That number may even excite you a little bit. If you think about it, if there's 2.1 billion of us and we only have to reach 7.7, if everyone that's already a Christian just reaches three people, we've pretty much got this thing covered, right? Easy. It's easy, right? Well, unfortunately, that's the problem with these sorts of statistics. Because based on a lot of research, uh, one of the studies I saw by the Pew Research Group, Christianity actually loses more people than it gains from conversion. And so what does that mean? It means that we cannot rest. We must be in pursuit of other people. It even means that we need to keep reaching people that we thought we've already reached. People that appeared to kind of to, to make it home with us, but maybe, maybe something happened and, and they fell, fell backwards. We need to keep pursuing people for the kingdom. And it's funny, I was, I was kind of looking at that statistic and something that came to my mind. In high school, I really liked this band, DC Talk. Anybody like DC Talk? Yeah, right, so. And when I was in, I was about ninth grade, this album, Jesus Freak, came out. It blew my mind. It was the coolest Christian rock album you'd ever heard. It was totally new, totally different. And at the beginning of this song, there's a song called What If I Stumble? At the beginning of it, there's a quote by a Franciscan priest named Brennan, Brennan Manning. And, and it kind of speaks to maybe why we're having this problem. He said that the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And so that is a quote that I've always remembered, and it just came right to the forefront of my mind as I was looking at this. It just kind of says this, in order to make disciples, we have to be disciples. It's all in with no compromise. Do what I say, not what I do does not work in the kingdom. You reproduce who you are. You reproduce how you parent, how you care, and how you love. This is the true making of disciples. This is how you make disciples as well. Paul gives several qualifications for the leaders of churches in his first letter to Timothy. And while these requirements are normally looked at as qualifications for those seeking to be elders and deacons, 
These same qualifications really apply to us as the priesthood of believers. Jesus commanded in, in verse 20 of our key passage, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. If we are not living our life as disciples of the master, how could we ever expect others to do the same? Let's get back to the refrain of the song for a moment. Go tell it on the mountain. Why would the song's author have said to go tell it on the mountain specifically? This is likely a reference to another scripture from the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, verses 6 through 8. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. And these words from the prophet Isaiah are actually later recalled by the writer of Romans, commonly believed to be the apostle Paul, as he writes on proclaiming the gospel. Romans 10, verses 12 through 15. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's, that's us, guys. God will send us to the mountains he needs us to go to to proclaim his good news. So I think if you look at the whole history of this song, how it came out of a place of true hardship during a period of slavery in America, that its creators and singers wanted to continue spreading the truths and traditions of Christianity, how it's lived on as a Christmas song, but also as a rallying cry for Christians to spread the good news of joy, I find it is a perfect way to kind of enter our new year this year. So that's where we're going to kind of land here this morning. As we look to tomorrow night, which is New Year's Eve and Tuesday, New Year's Day, we, we often have a lot of emotions around that. We kind of look at this as a turning point or an opportunity or something fresh is happening, something new. And I kind of want to challenge you guys to really lean into the mission Jesus has given us this year. Accept the commission, the calling that Jesus has placed on us. There are a lot of needs and hurts, heartaches all over this world. There's a world of people who desperately need to know about Jesus Christ. And our calling is to go and tell them that Jesus Christ is born. And he was born to be king, and he was born to be Lord, and he was also born to be Savior. How many of us will pray that God will direct us through the power of the Holy Spirit to reach someone hurting with good news? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? We have this opportunity out of our love for God to love people all over this world and to teach them in the way of the Lord, making lifelong disciples of Christ. This is the Great Commission, and I humbly ask you to commit to praying for it this year.
podcast has been recorded live at Crosswalk Community Church. Services are held every Sunday at 10 a.m. at 925 South Telegraph Road in Monroe, Michigan. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Community Church podcast. 